I'm Asher Leamond, and welcome to the Spoon Drift Podcast. The word spoon drift describes the spray of water that a strong gust of wind can blow from the tops of the waves. Here on the Spoon Drift, I talk about the spoon drift from the ocean of ideas. There are really no bounds to what might be talked about. The goal is to just unearth new perspectives and inspire curiosity. On this week's episode, I want to talk about bed sheets, sneezing, and gene editing. Quite the mix. Recently, I ran into an interesting problem that I have not run into before. Well, okay, here's the issue. I acquired a new mattress, and I tried to put my old sheets on my new mattress. And whenever I sleep, I tuck in my sheets. Weird or not, that's what I do. But this new mattress was slightly bigger than the old mattress. So when I tried to tuck in my sheets using the sheets that tucked in on the old mattress, it didn't work. (laughs) And it was kind of annoying because I would try to tuck them in and there's nothing there to tuck in because the sheets are just not big enough. So to solve the problem, (laughs) some creative thinking had had to happen. New sheets were acquired as well. And now they cover the new mattress and tuck in, which is great. So I can sleep with tucked in sheets. Have you ever wondered whether or not it's okay to hold in a sneeze? Well, Time recently published an article answering just that question. In short, if you need to sneeze, just let it out. Suppressing a sneeze can do more damage than it's worth. It was actually really surprising to me the injuries that have been the direct result of suppressing a sneeze yeah it's just bonkers here are some of those injuries prepare yourself a ruptured eardrum pulled back muscles cracked ribs a fractured larynx acute cervical pain and even facial nerve injuries i mean those are not trivial surface wounds those are serious injuries I should say that those sneeze injuries, (laughs) wow, I just used the phrase sneeze injuries. I I should say that sneeze injuries, the ones that I just named, they're more serious ones and are more likely to exist in people with pre-existing conditions or injuries. And they're a bit extreme, those injuries. You're probably more likely to sneeze and accidentally bang your head on a wall or something, but still, the power is real. That had me wondering, how can something as common as a sneeze cause such damage? I mean, I probably sneeze probably around once a day, at least. The answer is that sneezes are powerful things. The article points out that when you sneeze, you could be blasting air out of your nose at up to 500 miles per hour, or about 805 kilometers per hour. That's kind of fast. With that in mind, that means that every time you try to suppress a sneeze, you are redirecting all of that energy back into your body, which is not always a great thing. Now, outside of the fact that sneezing is a powerful phenomenon, what is the purpose of sneezing? Is sneezing even a beneficial thing? Now, the answer to that is, again, yes. Some potential purposes for sneezing could be to get rid of irritants in the nose, cleansing the nose, or even something 
more behavioral in nature, like just signaling to others that you might be sick. Putting all that together, sneezing is, first off, a really interesting process. Secondly, if you have to sneeze, just sneeze. It's not that big of a deal. Oh, and by the way, if you sneezed while listening to this podcast, bless you. And may the demons be expelled from your soul. As reported by NPR, the 2020 Nobel Prize in Chemistry was awarded to Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Doudna for their work developing CRISPR-CAS9. CRISPR-CAS9 is a genome editing technology that allows scientists to alter the DNA of a cell. The original work was published back in 2011 and 2012, so the prize has been a long time coming. However, why does this technology matter? Well, the ability to change DNA opens up the possibility of getting a better understanding of how life works. There's also now a much better chance at being able to cure genetic diseases. The implications are pretty huge and have already changed the fields of chemistry and biology in a big way. Now let's take a look at how CRISPR-CAS9 works. The CRISPR, and that's spelled C-R-I-S-P-R in CRISPR-CAS9, stands for, this is going to be kind of long, but here it is, Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. And then the CAS9 is then short for CRISPR-Associated Protein 9. A bit of a cyclical initialism there. It's referencing itself. Bizarre. Anyway, as reported by Medline Plus, CRISPR-CAS9 technology is adopted from a naturally occurring bacteria that can take bits of DNA from viruses and then use them to gather and store information detailing the structure of the DNA of the viruses. That information then is stored in what is called a CRISPR array. The bacteria can then use the CRISPR array, or the stored information describing the the DNA of the virus, to then create RNA capable of identifying the virus's DNA so that should the virus try to attack the bacteria again, it can recognize it. CRISPR-CAS9 does the same sort of thing except with cells that a researcher is interested in. Researchers can create RNA that binds to the CAS9 enzyme. The RNA is then made to recognize a certain specific section of DNA that's being investigated. So they can use the CAS9 enzyme to manipulate the section of DNA that they're interested in. Then they can alter the DNA segment using that CAS9 enzyme and the CRISPR technology. Now already CRISPR-CAS9 technology has been used in research on single gene disorders like cystic fibrosis or hemophilia and sickle cell disease. Other diseases that it might prove to be useful with in the treatment of would include cancer and human immunodeficiency virus, or as most of us know it as, HIV. There's also a bit of gray area when it comes to gene editing, as you may have already been thinking about, and that would be the editing of human genomes. CRISPR-CAS9 could potentially be used to change the DNA of a sperm or egg cell. Now, such a change would mean that, with enough research, certain traits that are favored, maybe, or certain traits that are less desirable, could be either enhanced or suppressed in humans. The idea is one that raises 
a lot of ethical questions and has been a point of concern when it comes to uses of the CRISPR-Cas9 technology. In fact, in many countries, the research of human genome editing is actually illegal. The, the tricky part with editing the human genome is that if you were to do that, genes are something that are passed along from generation to generation. So if you were to edit the gene of a sperm or an egg, and then it became an embryo, and then eventually a human being, that edited gene sequence could be passed down from generation to generation. And that could potentially change the human race as we know it. There are some really amazing things that have already been done and could potentially be done with the development of the CRISPR-Cas9 technology. And I can almost assure you that we are going to hear a lot more about CRISPR-Cas9 technology in the near future. I remember back in 11th grade, in English class, we had to read a story concerning designer babies. And that is the very possibility that this CRISPR-Cas9 technology brings into the realm of reality. The idea that someone could select traits that they would like to see in their children or would prefer not to see in their children and make that happen. It allows people to have some sort of control over what their offspring are going to be like, which is <laughs> a very um, interesting thought experiment, but potentially dangerous idea. There's a lot of information out there on the potential ethical concerns regarding this issue, and <laughs> I could probably spend a lot of time exploring that. I'm not really sure what I, how I think about it. It definitely seems something that could <laughs> definitely be abused. Yeah, but the other the other applications of this technology, like being able to potentially cure cancer, that's a pretty major <laughs> benefit. Cancer touches a lot of families. Being able to cure it would be a huge scientific leap. <laughs> In last week's episode, I talked about superpowers, and specifically some of the superpowers discussed or used in the Renegades book by Marissa Meyer. And, well, last week I actually finished that book, and I gotta say, it was a pretty good book. <laughs> I liked it a lot. That's number two in the series. The first one was Renegade, second one was Arch Enemies, and there's a third one. And I don't know what it's called, but I'm gonna have to read it. I'm gonna say that because this book, <laughs> it like ended mid-scene. It was that sort of a cliffhanger. I was like, whoa. Well, I mean, to be honest, when I was finishing it, I'm reading it, I see pages going on. I know I'm close to it. I know I'm gonna finish it that day. But I'm just reading, something happens, com characters are having a conversation, and then chapter ends, and I flip the page, <laughs> and there is no more book. <laughs> the other pages were just acknowledgments. I don't remember, there might have been another, like a first chapter from the next book. I don't ever do that, actually. Interesting thing. Whenever books, they include a first chapter from the next book. If I know I'm going to read the second book, I'm one to just say, all right, I'm going to leave the second book, or the next book in this case, third one. I'm going to leave the next book <laughs> for the next book. Until I get it, I'm not going to start it because I know I'm going to read it. And if I don't like the book that I'm reading, 
then I'm not going to bother with the second one. That's happened. Don't always read the whole series. But in this case, I, well, I didn't read the first chapter for the next book. I don't even remember who was there. But this book, The Cliffhanger, oh, man. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you because that would totally spoil it for you. You know, I've considered doing a whole podcast about a book, just talking about all the plot points and really stepping through it. And I guess I did one. I did one with uh, The Shining by Stephen King. But a while back, I tried to do one for The Renegades. And doing a podcast like that requires a lot of a lot of thought and consideration and a lot of research. Even if you've read the book, until you're forced to talk about the book in a way that makes sense to other people who haven't read the book, you really got to make sure you got all your facts straight. And so that requires a lot of looking back at the book, being sure you talk about things in chronological order. And now a good benefit is of, of doing that is you really get to know the book. Like The Shining, going back and t- talking about all the things I found good or bad or ways that I interpreted it. That really brought a whole new level of understanding to the book, I think, at least for me, regardless of whether or not it matches what the author was intending. The book means a lot more when I get done with that sort of scrutinization. But I tried to do one for Renegades when I'd finished that. I just tried just recording me talking about it. And I remember going back and listening to the the just me talking. And it was so scatterbrained because I would talk about one thing in the book and then I'd be like oh yeah that came after this other event which you need to understand in order to know what I'm talking about now so I just totally off the wall hard to follow I scrapped it it didn't work out but this the book it's worth reading if you're interested in that sort of thing I really enjoyed it it was great has a lot of commentary about reliance of people on other things in this world, reliance of the general human population on the prodigy population, which I can definitely see a parallel into our reliance on, say, machines. Because, I mean, imagine if all of a sudden all the cars didn't work anymore. That would put a lot of people in a bit of a pickle. And that sort of situation kind of came up in, in this book. There was a situation where all of a sudden the services provided by prodigies, it was no longer available. And people were kind of stuck. They were dumbfounded, clueless. Like, what do we do? We've we've developed this dependence on the abilities that these people have. And now all of a sudden, it's no longer available. It was, it was an interesting thing. And as far as uh, plot development, they've, Marissa Meyer did a, really superb job when it comes to really developing this world, creating a balance of power. Because whenever you're creating a fictional world, something that is important to make it believable is that, well, okay, let me back up. If you've got a world with superpowers, a good one to go to is the comics. It's DC Comics. If if you've got a person with superpowers, they have to have some sort of weakness or else it gets it's not a fun story to read. If you're reading a Superman comic and he's just going through, there's this enemy. And if the Superman is just able to knock him out, what's the point of reading the comic? And then all of a sudden it becomes it, it's no challenge for them. It's there's no 
storyline to to follow or to wonder what's happening next because you already know. And Marissa Meyer in this book, she does a really good job of creating weaknesses and strengths for all these characters and playing them against one another. It's great. That reminds me of another (laughs) storyline called The One Punch Man. That story is, I think, primarily focused on that very concept that I just described, the the imbalance of power versus weakness in a, a world of superpowers. This, the main character, the one punch man, is able to defeat any enemy with just one punch. In the show, it's just kind of like his, his struggle with <laughs> feeling no meaning to the work that he does because it comes so easily. It's not like he has to try. It just happens. I haven't watched a whole lot of it, so if you're familiar with One Punch Man, that was probably a terrible description of of what it works. But the general gist of it, I think I captured. The only natural next move for me is, well, to start a new book. And the new book that I'm reading now is Dune by, by Frank Herbert. And so far, it's kind of boring, in all honesty. I, I'm, I'm not caring for it too much. I'm, I'm going to finish this book. It's a book that has it's a it's a it's pretty well respected book in the realm of science fiction. Um, it's a book that I would like to have read, and something that I've noticed already. I'm only at like maybe eighty pages in or so. That the world building is very elaborate, like incredibly elaborate. Like there are entirely new cultures, new languages, new customs, new environments, new species already developed and as a reader i'm starting to get an idea of how all these things work and there's a whole appendix at the back for all the new words and things like the author actually came up with new words with new meanings for entirely new societies in this book it, that part is pretty impressive but yeah, I'm still learning the the characters, and there, not a whole lot's happened at this point, which is kind of to be expected. It's a lot of setup right now. Um, yeah, not not too exciting yet, but I've I've high hopes. Plus, it's going to be made into a movie with a lot of actors and actresses that I'm familiar with, and enjoy the movies of. So it should be exciting, and I definitely want to have read the book before seeing the movie here's my music update this week i have two albums on my release radar they are sam smith's album love goes and leon's album apart my music picks this week are six months by john k american alternative blind by role model american alternative why do you love me by Charlotte Lawrence, American Alt-Rock, Cotton Candy by Youngblood, American uh, Punk Rock? Punk, yeah, Punk Rock. Let's go with that. Even After July by Department, spelled D-E-P-T, Korean Alternative, Loose End by Keep It Inside, Korean Alternative, Birthstone by Chang Mo, featuring Paul Blanco, Korean R&B, Star by Luna, Korean pop, and No More by Kim Yohan, Korean pop. There's my music update. 
low, slow, and dramatic. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spoon Drift. If you want to listen to the music that I talked about, you can visit my Spotify profile, The Spoon Drift Podcast, and listen to The Spoon Drift episode 20 playlists. For more episodes of The Spoon Drift, you can visit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spinnaker Radio's home on the web, radio.unfspinnaker.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to keep up to date on everything to do with The Spoon Drift, you can follow me on Twitter at SpoonDriftPod. That's at SpoonDriftPod. Or on Instagram at SpoonDriftPodcast. If you'd like to learn more about what I talked about in this episode, you can find links to the articles I discussed in the description. I hope to talk to you next week. (laughs) 